So the title of this morning's message is All for One and One for All. It's a reminder for us that this thing that we're doing as part of Fraser Coast Baptist Church, we're all in this together. If one is hurting, we're all for them. If all as a corporate body of believers have this mission and vision, then all individually should be focused on that. And so this involves many facets of ministry, but all for one and one for all. And I was just amazed how um, the Spirit worked through Mark just to pray how he did. I was thinking, man, that just fits right into my message and I haven't even spoken to Mark on what he's what I'm preaching about. And maybe he read Romans 16 in advance and had that vibe, but I think it was the spirit, all for one and one for all. If you are familiar with Romans chapter 16, pretty much it's just a list of names that we read. And uh, we do have a tendency, do we not, just to usually skip those names, especially when it comes to genealogies. Here is just Paul saying, oh, yeah, say hello say hello for, for me to this fella and this, this lady and, and, and all these ones that have been close to him. When we're going through the names, um, I encourage you this week to do your private study on who they actually are, whether they're mentioned in Scripture, um, how they're mentioned in Scripture. I'll refer to some um, of those who are and where to look but uh, I won't be going into too much detail of who the actual people are. I'll be talking more about the description that Paul gives to them and, uh, and why. But firstly, if you look at that list, and there's quite a few names there, there is someone missing. There is someone missing. We are talking about the church in Rome. And there is a common belief among a particular group of people who are convinced that Peter, the apostle, was the first pope. You know who they are. But here we, Paul is talking to the church in Rome, the origin of the Catholic Church, and the first pope is not even mentioned. Go figure. That's my question for the local Catholic priest. Why is the first pope, if you think he's the first pope, why is he missing in all these people that Paul wants to greet? Tells me that he was somewhere else. And we are told in Scripture that he was somewhere else. So if you want to know that answer, it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5. That's where he was during his, all, all these years that are passing. Verse 1, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Cancria, which is in the eastern side of Europe. So Phoebe. Why is he commending Phoebe? 
because more than likely she was the one designated to travel however way she did um, with this letter that Paul uh, we've been studying for close to three years now and uh, she's taking it to Rome that's what the majority of scholars believe but she's described here firstly firstly as a sister so if you're not familiar with church we can call each other brothers and sisters we're not related by our blood but we're related by Jesus blood so we're spiritual brothers and sisters um, that's that seems to um, be real, much more prevalent in America when I go over there to the churches every your brother brother Tim at, at always here in Australia not so much we just um, seem to not um, yeah not mention that in, anymore or much less but the reason I underline deacon there is because your version might not say deacon your version might say servant and really in reality the word deacon does mean servant but it can be used in multiple ways and so the debate with, in, with Christian scholars is was Phoebe just a servant of the church there in Cancria or was she actually a deacon who held an office of deaconship my personal opinion interpretation and again I, would, I wouldn't I wouldn't put a percentage of what people believe in within the, the, the Christian church these days um, is I just find it interesting that it's not a servant she's not a servant of the Lord she's not a servant of Christ she's a servant of the church in Cancria that tells me that there's a strong possibility that she actually held the office of deacon in that church I couldn't prove it you can't prove it because the word servant again is used multiple times as a minister um, as many different names just to mean a worker but if you go through that list if you go through that list they are all servants but he always doesn't mention a servant of a particular church it's more just a servant of Christ a servant of God a servant of the gospel I just find that interesting that Phoebe was definitely related to this church in Cancria so servant or deacon I wouldn't put my life on it but um, to me the verse indicates more that she was a deacon rather than just an, an average servant and um, this brings up a discussion uh, if you are competent on your Christianese uh, then there's big words like complementarian and egalitarian and this are two sides of what Christians believe in regards to really our ecclesiology the way we do church and the role of women just to let you know I'm personally a complementarian but just like any other doctrine or label there seems to be extremes of both sides and so you think that this line let's just say if you say on the left 
um, was an egalitarian and on the right was a complementarian, um, I would say I'm in the middle but a little bit to the right. Okay, I'm not, a, I'm not a far left, not a far right person. I'm just in the middle but a little bit probably to the right. Okay, I do sound like I'm talking politics these days, aren't I? But this is a big issue. And it's actually an issue um, that I'm going to be talking about more next year. My next major series will be focusing on the core to leadership. And in the core to leadership will be, or is the issue, of women and the role women play in the church. So stay tuned. But now, Porter says, please welcome her. In the Lord, verse 2, in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor or a helper of many and of me also. So that could mean a number of things with Phoebe. It could mean... Number one, that, uh, hey, whatever she needed help with, whether it was food, shelter, common needs, please help her out. Or it could be that Phoebe um, was told Paul, because he wrote this church from Corinth, uh, wrote this letter from Corinth. Um, it could be that uh, she was on her way to Rome with some business of maybe a private, personal matter. And so she, maybe she needed some help with that. And Paul said, please, please assist her. We don't, we don't know for sure. And with verse 3, uh, Paul continues to say, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. So Priscilla and Aquila, uh, well, it says in verse 4, In fact, they, have, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. So Priscilla and Aquila are interesting. They are a couple Priscilla being the female, and lots of people read into that. Why is she mentioned verse and not the man? Uh, we won't get into that today. I don't think it's um, any point to it. Uh, Priscilla, always remember that she's the female, just from Priscilla, queen of the desert. Okay, it always relates to a female. Um, Aquila, does anyone know any married couples where their names rhyme? No, it's just very interesting, eh? Um, these guys are quite popular in Scripture. Now, notice that they're very close to Paul to the point where they put their life on the line, okay, both of them. They're obviously co-workers in the ministry. Um, I'm thankful to them. So are all the Gentile churches. They must have had some impact in assisting Paul with being the apostle to the Gentiles. And so we are read. One such passage we read about him in is Acts chapter 18. Do, do your homework this week and what might ruffle some feathers or might cause some conversations to happen, maybe some disagreements, is look, as you read chapter 18 of Acts, look at who is mentoring, who is teaching Apollos. Remember, Apollos becomes pretty well known within the church at Corinth, one of the primary teachers and people baptizing, Priscilla and Quilla are in, are, uh, have the opportunity to mentor this guy. 
read who actually teaches him, who's, who actually mentors him. It's actually quite interesting. But also the church in their house. So they, they I think from what I read, uh, they, they started a number of churches. They even started one in Ephesus. But they have, see, they have one in Rome, a church in Rome. So remember, they just started with house churches. That was their primary place of meeting. Um, they also got together at the temple courts when it was available right at the start. Greet my uh, beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. So notice the word, my beloved. My beloved. Paul had a very dear friend, which what your version might say, but my beloved, take note of that phrase, by the way, because we're going to be looking into it. Um, Eponidas, he was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Beloveds, dear friends, um, I could say that I myself really have one mainly dear beloved. Okay, her name starts with C, all right. You can probably guess, but... But seriously, Coco has, is, is very, very dear to me. My dog, my beloved. Uh, I, I wouldn't do history without her. <laughs> Definitely my wife's laughing. Um, no. As a minister, this is actually quite hard. As a minister, it's quite hard to have a beloved, a dear friend. Mainly because I think an occupational hazard is just to be guarded about who you can, like, who, how much you can open up to someone. I think ministers, ministers really thrive for it. Everyone wants to have like a best friend or someone you can, and I did have multiple ones, by the way, as we'll soon see, both men and women. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just something that uh, ministers are, are careful about. They're, they're always on guard about who to open up to and, and who to invite as a dearly beloved. But this one, this one, First convert to Christ in Asia. Wow, it must be pretty special to Paul. I'm assuming that Paul uh, led him to the Lord. Um, don't know for sure, but uh, yeah. Let's put this up on the board. Okay, we have Siobhan, which thankfully the family's not in here, but um, I don't even know how we pronounce Siobhan. I, I assume it's V, Malika, Sharia, Sharia, whatever. Okay, the reason I put is because don't feel worried that uh, that you don't know these people's names and how to pronounce it. For instance, I'll just give a tip that if you're doing a Bible study and, and you come across these weird names that you have no idea how to pronounce, just be overconfident. All right? And just say it how you think it is. Because number one, if they're new to Christianity, more than likely they'll think, man, that guy really knows his Bible. He's really well-versed. Or number two, if they've been a Christian for a while, I've done this before, more than likely they'll think, oh my goodness, is that how you say it? I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I guarantee I've done that before. But listening to so many people, Every name's been completely like pronunci pronunciated differently so many ways. Okay? 
Say it with confidence and you're fine. People will believe you. And that's what I'm going to do today. Greetings to Mary, oh, that's an easy one, uh, who has worked so hard for your benefit. I think um, there's a version that says labored much. So she just hasn't been a worker, an average worker. He uh, associates Mary with someone who's actually worked hard. A female too. Actually, indeed, if you look at all the lists where he says worked hard, not just worked, um, they turn out to be all women. So women were quite an integral part in Paul's ministry. I say that because Paul is classed as a misogynist for some. Like, people accuse Paul of hating women. But that's not like that at all. Great Andronicus and Unia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. I raise my eyebrows there because we always say junior. But it could be the silent J, Unia. Um, so she, so they've, uh, they've been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Now, this is a controversial verse for some. This, this, adds, this brings lots of discussion among Christian scholars because they wonder, first of all, was Unia a, a boy or a girl, male or female? And culture back then, history tells us that it could be a boy's name and a girl's name. Um, so, again, we can't be sure. They've been in prison with him. So, obviously, if you get to know someone in prison, right? But they are outstanding among the apostles. And so, if, when you read that, you can interpret that two ways. Okay? And this is how they interpret it. Well, if, it, she, if they're outstanding, first of all, if she's a, a woman and she's outstanding among the apostles, could be that she was actually one of the apostles herself. And people would try to argue that. But the question is, if she was one of the legitimate apostles, and by the way, the apostle has to, according to Acts 1, has to have seen, witnessed Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. Keep in mind, Paul did not see that, right? But Paul was called an apostle because he had a full-on one-on-one encounter with him, with Jesus, um, in that uh, Arabian desert while that's where he did his seminary, okay? So he did have that revelation, um, and that's why he could be called an apostle. But um, when you look at the word apostle, phosphor, the second, the second and most, I don't know, what I believe when I interpret the scripture, means um, they stood out. Andronicus and Unia um, stood out among the apostles. Apostles were uh, quite some important people, right? The foundation of the gospel was built on their teachings, as we're told um, in Scripture. So they were quite prevalent people, quite popular among the apostles. They were outstanding workers for Christ, in other words. And they were even in Christ before Paul was converted. So they were quite popular, quite famous among the apostles. You always have, to, always have to keep in mind the word apostles. Really, when you look at the Greek, it just means a messenger, like a messenger, a sent. Um, so we have missionaries. We could call them apostles, but we just don't because we don't like to um, mix them with the actual apostles. And with all these denominations now that are adding apostles as a, a title, uh, as an office in their um, church, it just brings confusion. 
And so, yes, that's the story behind that. Great, uh, Amplius, my beloved in the Lord, again, my beloved, so he's a, he's a dear friend. Great, um, Urbanus, or Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved, again, two other dear uh, friends of Paul. Great, Apollos, the approved in Christ, Greet those who are the... Uh, so um, I underlined approved in Christ there. Paul refers Apelles to a person who's approved. And what that means is that he's been tried and he's been tested and he's passed the test. Now this is one of the characteristics that's required for a leader of the church. You have to be tried and tested. Approved. So Apelles fit in that category. And then he continues to say, greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Um, we are assuming there the household of Aristobulus were all believers. My fellow Jew. Now, read that carefully. Um, the original, like the, the old word which King James Version uses, kinsman. But I've just looked at through all the versions and some people are adding the word Relative. So I'm just wondering if your version actually associates Herodian with a relative of Paul. And I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think when he says kinsman, he's talking about a fellow Jew. So I used um, this version here, which I think is the NIV. Um, Greet Herodian, okay, a fellow Jew. For some reason, he was um, doing some great stuff. Those in the household of, uh, I'll say Narcissus. I'm always tempted to say Narcissus. Um, who are in the Lord. Now, Narcissus, did you see back then, verse 10, was it? Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. But here he says, greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. So it seems not everyone in Narcissus's household were all believers, were all saved. So he's only saying, greet those who are in the Lord. That's what people um, think when they, when they read that. It just shows that just because your parents are Christian doesn't mean everyone in the house is Christian, all right? Everyone's got to, got to make their own personal decision to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's not, uh, it's not an hereditary thing. Uh, verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord, uh, Trifina and Trifosa. I think some people have said that they're twins. Our women. Now get this. Read that carefully. Look, look what he does. Greet the beloved Percy, who has worked hard in the Lord. He changes it. He goes from saying my beloved to the beloved. Any guesses of why he does that? Pete? You're silent, Pete. <laughs> Such a surprise. He does it because she's a female. I think the culture back then, if you said my beloved to the opposite, opposite gender, then it might cause some rumors. And so because she's a female, I think he says the beloved, but she was a dear friend, not my beloved. And look at that. She just didn't work for the Lord, work in the Lord. She worked hard. So she had a reputation.
people working hard. Chosen in the Lord. Um, that's an interesting word phrase here, chosen in the Lord. It's actually, uh, I forget what the Greek says. It just says chosen. But when we talk about chosen, we usually think about election with salvation. Um, and you know how I feel about that. Um, just listen to my series on Romans 9 and you know where I stand with that. But I think a better version, and I didn't choose it, a better version, and I don't know which one off by heart, it says, Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. A choice man. So the word chosen can also mean that Rufus, for instance, when you needed something done, for instance, Rufus was the man to get it done. He was the man to choose if you wanted to get something done. Now, I can't tell you what he specialized in. Um, some people here think he's the same guy mentioned in, I think, Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, his father's chosen. This is the Simon of Cyrene, the father of Rufus, um, told to bury, uh, not to bury, to um, carry uh, the cross of Jesus. Maybe his father, uh, but Rufus got another mention. But he was a choice man. But yeah, I, I interpret that as saying he specialized in something. He was a special man. And I reckon, I reckon there's lots of stuff that needs to get done in ministry in the church. And if you wanted to get something done, I think Rufus was the man to ask. And he says, greets his mother, who has been a mother to me too. I thought about this verse, his mother, um, because your version just might say his mother and mine. When I read that straight away, I thought, okay, greet Rufus's mother and greet my mother. So is, his, is Paul's mother in Rome? Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of translators have just to describe it as Rufus's mother being like a, a mum to Paul. She took care of him uh, when they got together, like a spiritual mum. We, we all have spiritual mums. Well, not all of us, but sometimes we have spiritual mums, people who are not our mum but take care of us and mentor us. Um, so maybe she was like that to Paul. And then we got uh, verse 14, greet uh, Asyncritus, uh, Flynn, uh, Hermes, Petrobus, Hamas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Don't know who they are. But for some reason, they get a mention in the Bible. I wonder, if you were around back then, would you have got a mention in the Bible? Fifteen, greets. Um, I think I decided to say Philologus and Julia, or Julia, uh, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who were with them. And I thought I'd just underline that word saints there. It shows me that there's just not a special few people who have done great things for God that are called saints. It's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, for instance, that can be called saints. 
We are all saints. There are multiple times in Scripture where the letters are addressed to the saints. It's addressed to the church, us. And so there's a, I remember there's a, a sermon that I preached sometime during this road through Romans. Are we saints are we, or are we sinner saints? I think it doesn't do us any favors when we call sinners, even though we're, we still sin. We can be declared saints, even though there's times when we don't act like a saint. Our identity never changes. We're either in Christ or we're in Adam. And then last verse, greet one another with a holy kiss. What's happened to this? Why don't we do this anymore? Why don't we greet each other with a holy kiss anymore? I don't know. Culture has changed. But you could just say this was a cultural thing. I don't mind holy kiss. Because I heard a story of a pastor this week who's, when they were a youth pastor, I think one of the youth group, youth kids, tried to use this verse as justification just to make out passionately with their boyfriend and girlfriend. Right. And they say, show me in scripture where, you know, that's a godly thing to do. Um, we're talking about like a real passionate kiss, by the way. And they said, well, we'll greet one another with a holy kiss. Holy? Is that holy? You've got to ask yourself the question. So youth group pastors, if any are listening or if you're in this room, yeah, watch out for that one. All churches of Christ send greetings. And that's another interesting phrase there. Someone from the Church of Christ, I think, has got on their high horse and said, see, Paul was from the Church of Christ denomination. Okay, I don't think he's saying that. I just think all the churches who believe in Christ, um, they just send their greetings because obviously he's visited quite a few, has he not, in these years, and he's writing the church. Time's up. What are the takeaways from this passage? Number one, Again, all these people, they had a role. We are all in this together. And so therefore, we play different roles in fulfilling our purpose. What's our purpose? What's the purpose of having a local church here in Harvey Bay? Well, you can read Ephesians 4 as a reminder. You can read Matthew 28. But to put it simply, I think just like the gospel says, we are to do good works, glorify our Heavenly Father, so everyone else will see our good works, and they would do what? Glorify the Heavenly Father. We want everyone glorifying our Heavenly Father. Is everyone doing that around us? No. How are they going to do that? Well, hopefully when they see us doing it, and we tell them why we're doing it. We've been changed. We're new creations. We're in Christ, no longer in Adam. We can have confidence on Judgment Day. Christ has saved us. Sadly, our focus only tends to be on a Sunday for that. It needs to be every day. We're praying for opportunities to minister to people and share that good news. 
Um, some roles require hard work. And these might come in different seasons of times. Not everyone can do hard work all at the same time. But depending on your role is, it might require hard work. So don't come to church, say, oh, I want to help out, but think, I just, uh, just want to do this because it's easy. <laughs> God might be calling you for something harder. So just be ready for that. Be on guard. Be willing. Willing. And then the question that I have to ask is what, what role do you see yourself playing? A lot of you are playing roles here at Fraser Coast Baptist Church. If we have a local church, I'm convinced that God's purposes are primarily fulfilled through the local church, just like what um, Mark was praying earlier. We're thankful for ordaining a local institution as a local church to do what he wants us to do. And then it comes, all that comes out of all these other ministries and organizations. Primarily it's through the local church because really they wouldn't survive without the local church. But what role are you playing? Are you playing a role? And it's just a simple question as if you find Fraser Coast Baptist Church home, you've been attending here for quite a while, are you praying about how God can use you here just to fulfill his purposes through this local congregation? That's what I've got out of the, the message uh, today, and we'll continue uh, in a couple of weeks' time uh, to, on, on, on our road. For now, let's thank God that he's using us, that we have this local place to meet, and the freedom we have in doing it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your provision your provision in allowing this place to be available for us to meet, your provision in keeping us healthy enough to meet. We do think of those who are uh, missing today, missing in action, uh, and due to a number of reasons, Lord, which we've prayed for this morning, we uh, just want to commit them to you. But, Father God, once again, we pray that you will reveal to us both corporately and on an individual level how we can continue to live out and follow, obey your desires, your purposes for us here on earth before that day comes where there'll be no more time here. And so, Father, we need... We would like specifics. We know that comes in your time and in your own way. But, Father, just help us to be willing, to be open to that voice um, when it does come. And so we thank you for the believers in this place that are living out your purposes. We thank you that we're all in this together. We just thank you for the, the unity and the, the joy that we can have in working together, being fellow workers in you. So we thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.